This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. I was driving in this morning and I look up and the clouds and the sun and the the moon and everything had finally aligned. It was orange skies with a little purple out, uh, purple glow as I drive in. And I'm like, today's the day. We have an awesome guest in At 530 on Main. have my awesome co-host here with me. Uh, blessed to be in the studio, the extension studio this morning with Mike Davis Hello. and Chris <laughs> Petraskevich. Um, I'm glad you saw purple this morning. I saw it was there. It was the yeah. glow, you know. It was a warrant. It was great sunrise coming up over. What is that? I guess that would be paradise, right? As mm-hmm. I come, as I'm driving south, I'm looking east. That's paradise back there. For some, Newburgh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, think paradise. I think Paradise for us lives on 1800 Lincoln Avenue. Oh, yes. Yeah. Amen. F. Palmetto Circle for me. Mike, where are you, where are you at? Where's Paradise? Right there by Gateway Hospital, Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right on the border. Family. Right on the border between Newburgh and Evansville. Yeah. Or Warwick County and Evansville. Well, I say that everything aligned because we have. This experience has been a couple times coming, you know, scheduling and health and, and some other things come up, but we are we are here today and very excited to talk to Chris Petraskevich, who's the president of the University of Evansville. He's the 24th president of UE. He began his service in July of 2018. Um, he's a tax, a tax attorney. Worked in trial law and ta- uh, tax division in the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington D.C. Here's what I know. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take this and uh, I know Chris personally through some baseball connections and athletics. And here's what I know: Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Born and raised Pennsylvania. I know that he has some connections in Louisiana. He had a stint in Louisiana. There's, there's, there's another university down there that he watches in football. I know that he was in Florida at some point, and there's, there's some real connections there. And then everything worked its way up to be paradise here at the University of Evansville as the president, the 24th president of UE. Yeah, so, you know, we moved to Evansville for the weather after living in Florida for a number of years. So it's, you know, it's great to be here. Yeah, yeah, one of those experiences that, that we always talk about, and um, Chris uh, has a son, Ryan, and then John, wife is Siobhan, and they are actually on our, I coach the travel, our travel baseball, I coach travel baseball and softball, but the, uh, the Southern Indiana Legends. And Ryan, first up from Florida, like goes, tries out for the team. And I'm like, we, we need this guy, middle infielder, you know, big bat, let's go. Big bat's orange and black, right? Big bat's orange and black. Big bat, yes. So we do that. 
And we go to this tournament, and it's down, it's near Louisville, and it's in October, and it's like that holiday, it's a Halloween weekend kind of thing, and I swear it's like 30 degrees. Yeah, just when the weather turned. <laughs> just when the weather had turned, and Ryan is fresh up from Florida, and we get out there, and it's about four innings into this game, and he, he comes in from short, and I'm looking at him, and he's like, Coach, I'm, I'm, I'm cold. And, I, and his lips are blue. He's shaking. And I'm like, all right, he's out. Get him some blankets. Can we get him some blankets, hot hand warmers, all those things? So when you talk about the weather, that's the, quote, experience that I can remember. Well, he's from never played baseball like that, right? I mean, look, if it's not 70 degrees in Florida, you don't play baseball. In fact, you don't do anything else. I mean, it was, yeah. So the weather coming up from Florida... We're at exactly in Florida? St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. Yeah. So there we go. For those who are listening, that reference, yeah, it doesn't get below 70, does it? No, when we were in Louisiana, you get a couple of weeks where it you know, dropped down a little bit. But Florida never got below the, never got below the, the, um, you know, the experience where you know, it, it gets below 70 degrees. So yeah, know, it's, it's pretty nice all the time. So sweatshirts really don't exist. In the wardrobe, you don't need to have that in there. Closets not, are not full. unless you're getting on an airplane. Yeah, right. No, otherwise you're you're you, you know unless you unless you get beyond the jet stream, right? You're good. Yeah, yeah. So, tell us, you know, I see this wonderful uh, resume here, this awesome bio that the teams put together. Tell us a little bit about the Chris Petruskevich experience, the story that that brought you here. Well, I was in Florida. So, by the way, before we start, right? So, we're dealing with the pandemic. We have been dealing with the pandemic for like for like the last twenty months. Yeah. Right? And and everybody wants to know how you're dealing with the how you dealing with the pandemic. The answer is we're we're doing really well. But you know, we can talk about experiences. My first experience at my last institution, I closed the place down for a hurricane. Right. So you so you right you have this kind of crisis management experience that yeah. goes along with it, right? So that's yeah. That's how we kind of started doing that in Florida and. You know, we were in Louisiana during Hurricane Katrina, so it was, uh, you know, talk about some experiences getting you ready for, you know, what, what's happening here Yeah. and in the pandemic for all of us. Um, you know, I didn't know the Hur Katrina part. Hurricane uh, Katrina, yeah. you, know, you know, we were just talking about Ryan. Ryan was, sure. Ryan was born um, seven days before Hurricane Katrina Wow. in Louisiana. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was really hard to get around Louisiana yeah. seven when days later. It was, uh, he, he wouldn't have been born in a hospital if he were born seven days later. Wow. So, born in the hospital and then you have to figure out a way to get, get back. We're back home. So, yeah. we're, we're back home when, when Katrina happens. But, but my goodness. Um, yeah. You know, talk about, you know, Baton Rouge, where we were, went from 800,000 people to 1.6 million people and overnight. Yeah. Right? So, talk about overwhelming a system that exists. Um, yeah. It was really, really something to live through. Uh, probably the worst hurricane that we've had in, in 100 years. Wow. And then you go to Florida, same kind of thing, right? Kind of, it's it's there, and that experience leads you to be able to lead that at a much higher level? Yeah, law, uh, law school dean at Stetson University in, in Florida for six years. And, you know, at a, at a time in which applications to law schools were going down. So they went down by 40% during the six years that nationally went down by 40%. Yeah. In the six years that I was there. So, you know, talk about changing in demographics that are happening in higher education now. Yeah. Um, law school experience a couple of years ago got you, got you ready for all that. And then you arrive here, uh, community 
open arms and you've done some phenomenal things at the University of Evansville. I drive by every morning now and I look at Braun. That that baseball stadium is baseball amazing. Stadium. Correct. Yeah, that's new. Uh, basketball team rebuilding, doing awesome there. Uh, Ford so, Center right across the street, right? So I'm an athletics there's guy. There's a crane in the air on campus. There's a crane on the mm -hmm. air. We have uh, new dorm residential. residential. Hall. Residence hall Can't call up. them dorms anymore, right? <laughs> nah, they're no, residence, 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 residence hall. Residence Nobody wants to live in a dorm. Show. I, I know. know. It's a word, hall. right? It's community. Yeah, we have okay, to, It's the experience. It's the experience it's the of the experience. word. It's the experience. But is of the word. it? It is an experience though, from going from, you know. What was tore down and remembering going to soccer camp as a kid at UE and you stay in those. Yeah, you know, Morton and Brentano were built in 19, yeah. 19, early 1960s. The yeah. um, world has changed just a little bit. So you know, they, they've housed, I don't know, 40,000 students over a collective 100 years. Yeah. Time to upgrade a little bit. Upgrade. Well, and it's not only the sports and the athletics and all those things. I mean, the campus itself is is really uh, a beautiful. I mean, you've they've ju you've just finished the, you know, in partnership. I'm sure with the city of Evansville, yes. Walnut the city has been great to work with, right? Yeah. So the Walnut Street streetscape, right, which will go from all the way from right outside here downtown, yeah, uh, all the way out to Van Avenue. Um, our part was the second part that was done, but what a lot of people don't know is our engineering students designed it. Oh, wow. So we worked, it, the city was just fantastic to work with. Yeah. Uh, but our students worked with, uh, with my office and with the city yeah. over the course of a year to design and do the engineering work mm -hmm. of what it looks like from, uh, from Rotherwood out to um, Weinbach. So students, students for the next 50 years can drive down and say, I had, I had something to do with that. Amazing. And as you come in, there was a, a rebranding initiative that happened as well, right? Right. Yes. So we, we brought together what was happening across Walnut Street. So, yeah. right, no more, no more logos for athletics and no more logos for the university. We're one university that, that fits across Walnut Street, and it goes together. And uh, as I notice through social media and everything, there's now a, a brand right in the middle where a lot of those pictures are taken, and there's the experience around the big U, purple and white UE that's there on that's campus. Right. Where did that come from? So came from the students. Okay. Uh, actually, it was a gift from the Student Government Association uh, a couple of years ago. So we wanted to create a kind of an iconic place on campus. You know, most people who come to the university park in the Oval, mm -hmm. walk into Olmstead Hall, where our admissions <laughs> office is. And, you know, they, there's, a, there's a placard that we put on every parking space when somebody's coming to visit us. And so the first thing they do is they take a picture next to their placard. Yeah. And then they kind of walk in. And we thought, well, you know, we need something a little bit more than taking a picture next to your car on campus. Yeah. So, right, it's, it's about creating the experience, right? <laughs> yep, can, I, yep. can I see myself as part of the University of Evansville? So every time, now my office sits on the second floor, looks out over the oval, and I see every family pull up. They take a picture next to the placard, and then they walk 20 steps down uh, the oval, and I'll take a picture in front in front of the giant UE yeah. that our students gave us a couple of years ago. So Beautiful. what a, what a, what a, talking about great experiences, what a great experience for the students when they first get here. Now, do any of them climb on top of it and jump in the U like you did? Absolutely. I love <laughs> it. We, we encourage it. We encourage it. Just, just not really late on Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, Tons of experience, as I said in, in, in your, your bio here. 
How has the higher ed experience changed over the last, I mean, I mean, you used to say, oh, tell me how it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's been a hyperdrive, hyperactive in the last 10. How has higher ed and the landscape and that experience changed? Yeah, I, I think, I think again, Sean, it's about experiences, right? Yeah. We, we don't just create, you don't want to create just academic experiences. Mm -hmm. You want to create experiences for the whole, the whole student. So it is everything from the mind, which is why they come to us to begin with, but it's also the body and the spirit, right? All of those things together uh, make up the experiences the students have when they, when, they, when they come to a university, when they're selecting a university. Uh, students have become much more discerning than they have in the past. They're very interested in seeing what the whole experience looks like, not just what the academic program looks like. So number one on the list, right? Yeah. Are they gonna get me ready for the future? Yep. And a big part of getting ready for the future is the technical stuff, right? You, you, can't, be, you can't be an engineer <laughs> without understanding the technical parts, yeah. right? But there's a lot more that goes into engineering than just the technical parts, right? You don't get a project without having a meeting with someone right. and convincing them that you're the right person <laughs> to do it, right? It's the interpersonal experiences that happen as part of all of those things. Yeah. Uh, one of the big ways that I think we've, we've kind of transformed and what students are expecting uh, is that 95% of our students do an internship before they graduate. Yeah. Okay. So what better experience to get ready for your, your first job than to have that experience while you're, while you're in college? So I think, I think students are, are thinking more about what else happens besides what happens in the classroom. Yeah. That becomes extraordinarily important. But what else does the college offer, right? How do they get me ready to be successful? Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you grow as a person, right? You're going there to not only you're going there to somewhat find out who you are, not just learn a skill or a trade uh, to get that uh, piece of paper. Because one of the things I heard, too, is, you know, when you talk about because we had the online learning for so long. And one of the best comments I heard was, well, they're going to go back to school. And it was like, why do you think that? Because there's no parent that isn't ready to get rid of their 18 year old and ship them off to school. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, so for a while, remember remember maybe 10 years ago, everybody was talking about MOOCs, right? Mm -hmm. This massive online learning oh, yeah, technology, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're going to go to class with 5,000 people taught by the best professors in the world, right? And they thought this was yep. going to change what higher education was going to mm -hmm. be. And it did for six minutes, mm -hmm. right? And then everybody realized that higher education is not just about what happens in a classroom and the mm -hmm. learning that happens yep. in a classroom. That's such a big, huge part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's the whole experience that goes along with it. So if you think about what happened during the pandemic, right? We sent people home. They didn't come back from spring break for us. So yes. we were on spring break um, and we told students, we, we don't want you to come back because what we thought was we're probably 10 days ahead of everybody else. But we had a really strong suspicion that if we brought them back, we were gonna send them home in 10 days. Yeah. Right. And at that point, we don't know so, how transition happens. Mm -hmm. Right. We didn't know how it was going to, well, transition or transmission. Right. Happens. So we, we, we sent everybody home. And, you know, what we learned was that it's the student experience is a lot more than what happens by physically walking into a classroom. Yeah. Right? So they learned in March, April and May from mom's kitchen table yep. or or the or the living room. And, and they, they all went to class in their pajamas. Yeah. Right. They still want to go to class in their pajamas, by the way, but they want to actually do it in person. Yeah. Well, and I always thought we had that experience in college. If you guess lectures mm -hmm. 
or you go to a conference or you go somewhere like you have that experience of being kind of just on your own listening to someone just talk. But really, if you're not in the classroom and you're around other students and you're getting engaged and you're doing labs, especially the labs we had and the practicals, it's like without that, it's it's almost impossible. Yeah, just think about uh, you know how our professors and our students for three months figured out how to do a chemistry lab yeah. from the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, right? or 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 to or to build a dune buggy, right? Like they do in in engineering, yeah. right? Or a concrete canoe. But you you can't do those things from you can't do those things from home. What it has demonstrated, I think, for undergraduates in particular, is that that full college experience makes a big difference. Now, if you've already had that full college experience and you've used it to be able to grow, right, you might think a little bit differently about a graduate degree, mm -hmm. for example, right? You're already working, you're, and you want another degree that, that helps you advance your career um, or, or gives you a career in something else. You may not want that full residential experience, but that first residential experience for students where they're beginning to become more independent, mm -hmm. when they're interacting with their classmates, when they're figuring out how to solve problems themselves, right, instead of mom and dad helping with all of those things. That's the learning experiences that happen informally, um, that happen as part of a college experience that are very, very different than what can happen if you're doing it at home. And I think what you're talking about, Mike knows the tool I'm talking about. It's actually hanging in the uh, Thrive Hall there. It's actually backed up by Google's uh, Project Aristotle's 10 years to talk about like leadership and culture building inside of organizations and it shows that you know without the strong communication and that verbal you know experience face to face and, and, and being present with the individuals around you you can't really gain the relationships where we all have alignment that takes us to what we have to execute on with the capacity that we have around us. And there's a lot of trust that's built in those first two stages to get to alignment. And when it's through a window, you know, through your laptop or whatever that is, there's some shared experience there a little bit. But the, you know, we are humans, we're wired for connection. And we really need that hands-on back and forth to really get the alignment of what we really need to execute on with those that we have around us. Because really in, in that face-to-face, -face, we gain a lot of trust in one another, but at the same time, we understand the capacity that we have in the room and what we can undertake. And we know that the concrete canoe this year is gonna be a little different, like, because every team's not the same and they haven't had the same communication. They don't have the same relationships. Maybe they didn't align as well as the others. So the outcome's completely different every year, but it's because of what happens in those first stages that, that really get us there. So it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the, and, and knowing from like leader cast and, and all like what you talk about this mass movement into masterminds and everybody's just going to do this 10 week program and then they're going to go out and make a hundred thousand dollars and all those things. Right. Well, they, they did it to, to they, basically what they were doing is they were communicating that I want this and then they executed it, but there was nothing in the middle that held that passion up that really, like Mike said earlier, they found who they are. They found their, their mission, they found their why, what they're doing through it. They found friends that supported them through it. They had mentors in higher education that get you to the overall experience of this is what I want to do. And your experience at, at UE is continuous, I mean, pushing that, right? You, you have change makers, mm -hmm. yeah. which is very much a what's next, um, is scholarship based, right? 
Yeah, so we do a change maker challenge that uh, high school students compete. Yeah. Um, about how to make our communities better. Yeah. Right? And you, it's not, you know, look, you know, people talk about, you know, can we be change makers and change the world? Yeah. Right. The answer is yes, you can do it, but you can do it in one small piece at a time. Sure. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to create world peace. Mm -hmm. Right. That would be fabulous. But in 14 <laughs> weeks, we want you to do something that makes a difference in the world. Yeah. Right. And so we do that through the Center for Innovation and Change. Uh, many of our faculty, most of our faculty members, have kind of adopted this. Right. And you know, do you really call it? change maker. No, you, you call it about using team building mm -hmm. and critical thinking skills to make the world a little bit better, but at the same time you're you're enhancing your own skills because you're learning to work with other people. Yeah. Right. And so Sean, you were talking about right doing this in person makes it makes a difference, right? Mm -hmm. For someone uh, who who used to be a professor, right, we know that we learn so much more from the students than the students learn from us. Right. So the student experience is one is that shared interaction that exists between faculty members and students, not just the one-on-one -on -one relationship. And then the other part too is particularly at a place like UE where you know you have 2,300 students, um, it's the personal experience that you're selling. Yeah. Right? It's the ability to be able to at any time w knock on the professor's door, mm -hmm. uh, have a conversation about a career, have a conversation about a personal problem, have a conversation about electrical engineering or mechanical engineering or finance or accounting or music or theater. Yeah. Right? It's the ability to be able to walk in and have that interaction, as opposed to waiting in somebody's Zoom room. Yeah, and it's all those it's all those intangibles that you're talking about. Because from an employer side, if you think about it, everybody selling their bashing universities, the cost, the cost, the cost, and it's cheaper to do it this way. But as an, um, someone looking to hire, you go, you watch ten YouTube videos, but this guy went to four years of college and. He did this program and he was involved in this and he got to know this person. I got a recommendation from this professor. There's pretty much no, I mean, it's pretty hard to go <laughs> say, oh, but you watch 10 YouTube videos. Great. I can really tell you learned a lot. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the, the misperception. And, and one, of the thing that I, one of the things that I think higher education really does need to change is we've got to work on uh, the perception of us. Right. So you've mentioned like two things in that in that monologue, right? <laughs> that we've got to fix. Yeah. One is the perception is that it's too expensive. Right. Right. So let so all right, let me ask you all a question. So how much do you think the average debt is when you graduate from the University of Evansville as an undergraduate student? So four years, University of Evansville, right? Sticker price thirty seven five. I know this from my So come on, friends take, at take, UE, a, take a guess. I think it's less than USI, but Okay. Uh -oh. I, I, I want to say it was like thirty-four thousand. That's well, my I was, guess. Yeah, I was like forty-five. Yeah, twenty-seven. Wow. So just so. But I did see that advertisement somewhere. I saw that. Oh, we're doing our. Or job. there was a speech. So yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It was so getting for it out the there. The average amount of debt for somebody that graduates from a private university <laughs> is twenty-seven thousand dollars a yeah. year, right? Now, what do you think that the average amount of Increased revenue is because you got a bachelor's degree over not having gone to college. Forty thousand over a lifetime. Oh, over a lifetime. Oh, jeez. Over a, a million dollars. Yeah. All right, you're close. One million five. One point two. Right. That's just the average. Yeah. One point two million. Right. For taking on twenty-seven thousand dollars worth of debt. All right. So do you know what the average first-year salary is? from an undergraduate graduating from the university, and we're fairly consistent with other places. <laughs> I was going to say, right now, or? No, no, right now. Or the average, like right now, it's a, geez, we're 
I mean, you're looking at people and you're paying sixty to eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what a year, right? So yeah. They're. I mean, across all disciplines. All disciplines. You're looking. <laughs> well, this is this is the. It's interesting as I walked you through the TA, you know, museum a little bit ago and that experience, you know. They're talking about and you know the trade schools of automotive you know getting individuals engaged in the, the technical field and going through a two-year program. They're saying that you leave with like one you know one hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars in debt at right. least one hundred thirty-four twenty-eight to one hundred thirty-four. Yeah, that's that's not happening at most places. Okay, right. it's it's really it would be really hard to borrow one hundred twenty-eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars to go to the University of Evansville. Yeah, right. If you had that amount of debt. I don't even know if there's anybody that has that amount of debt, right? The average is twenty-seven thousand. Okay. Right. Whether through whether through institutional aid, whether through Pell grants, whether through um, some funding from the state of Indiana, yeah. Whether through private philanthropy, yeah. Right. We want to make college accessible. Right? Yeah. So, so for example, last year we started a program called the Aces Opportunity Grant. If your family makes less than fifty thousand dollars a year, you can come to the University of Evansville and not pay any tuition. Beautiful. Right. So talk about trying to create access that changes the narrative from it's too expensive. Yeah. Whether whether to go to a public university or a private university, the answer is it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. You just have to work with people to be, to be able to figure it out. And the average the average first year salary is fifty thousand dollars. Okay. So along with all of those opportunities, there's also Harlingston, right? You still have no, that connection? Some, yeah, you mean that number one study abroad program in the country? Well, there you <laughs> go. One, you mean that one? Boom, sell that, that one. one. Yeah. yeah yes, that we one. have Harlingston. So you... People are back. Yeah, you get after, to... After 18 months. Yeah, so you can fly fly over now. Everything's open. Yeah. But it that also goes both ways. My, yeah, my wife just actually just was telling me last night she met somebody, a couple, and the husband was from Sweden. Yeah. That's how he got to Evansville. Yeah. That's through UE. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, through the Harleston program? I, I believe so. She said played a sport, and she wasn't sure what sport. I, I was guessing soccer, but. <laughs> Probably a good stereotypical <laughs> guess. Yeah. yeah. That's a good guess. I was like, might be basketball, but, you know. But, yeah, so. Yeah, uh, Harleston has been has been great. You know, it's it's one of those experiences for, for students. Um, you know, we have partner schools that send students. The university sends students. Um, and it's one of those experiences that are transformative. So talk about going to an undergraduate campus and having the experience of being on your own. Yeah. Um, go to Harleston for, four, for, 14, for, 14, for 14 weeks, right? So you're 90 miles north of London, right, in an English-speaking country. Mm-hmm. So the first time that I went to Harleston, um, I, 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 you know, there were, I don't know, 100 students or so that were there. A half a dozen had never been on a plane before and another half dozen have never been out of Indiana before. And their first trip was to go 14 weeks to Harleston. Right? Can, can you imagine? Right? So the first two weeks, they say, OK, university, can you hold my hand and show me Europe? Right? And then, and then 14 days later, it works like clockwork every time. 14 days later, they're like, we got it. We know how to get to the train. Right? Yeah. We know how to be able to be back hopefully on Sunday night for classes on Monday morning. But they, that full experience that they get um, in, in a place that, you know, was a manor that was built 180 years ago. Yeah. So all of that comes back to something. You and I are on EREP, you know, community 
meetings. We have that monthly discussion and through TMA, uh, the Tri-State Manufacturers Alliance and a bunch of other things, I hear this word workforce attraction so much. Like this whole attraction thing, we need to get more, we need to get more, we need to get more. Um, I'm under the, the personal opinion and through where I'm at today that that attraction only happens if you have solid retention. So what you're building in that experience, that, that rebrand, that all the things that we've talked about is actually leaning in to the people that you value the most, the people who are experiencing your product today. And then hopefully, like the, the algorithm, if you will, will pan out to be that those become your glaring fans. This organization, this, this you know, higher ed experience changed my life and you need to be a part of it too, right? So how much, how, what are you seeing in the mindset of actually the retention is the attraction? Because as I go out and I'm, I'm talking to organizations now about Giant and, you know, they've always come to us to say, help me sell my next big thing, the next idea, give me a tagline, what's the logo, what's social media, blah, blah, blah. So we've built those beautiful rocket ships and they've crashed a thousand times, right? Because they don't have the people or they don't have that product experience. So what's your thoughts on actually the retention is the attraction? Well, so for colleges and universities, right? It's about do people get jobs after they graduate and do people graduate? <laughs> yeah. Right. So <laughs> right. If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if what you're selling is a service and our service is work is knowledge. Right, and knowledge gets reflected in walking across the stage at the Ford Center right across the street. Yeah, right. That's the that's a step in the process. And if you can demonstrate that you can that you can graduate people, right? If you can demonstrate that they can get jobs, right? For us, you know, even last year in the pandemic, ninety one percent of our students mm -hmm. right, get jobs. That's the retention part, right? Because students want to look at. Am I wowed by what I see when I get to campus? What does this experience look like? Mom and Dad say, "What's going to? What's the result at the end? What's the result? What? What? What's the outcome that's going to happen? Is my is my son or daughter going to graduate? And if so, are they going to get a job in the area that they went to study for? Yeah. So it is a lot easier to keep people than it is to recruit new ones. And that happens. And that is exactly how you approach it for students. You have to give them the experience so that they want to stay. Yeah. Our transfer rates are really low. Our graduation rates are really high. Yeah. Right, so graduation rates well above national averages, right? Starting salary above national averages, and and the number of people. So I read I read this article, Sean. This would this drove me nuts, right? Wall Street Journal article <laughs> a couple of couple of months ago, that says entry level jobs for college students is going to go down forty five percent because of the pandemic, right? Can you imagine that as a college as a college president? Wow, right? You're thinking, oh my gosh, this is right. What what am I going to do? If our, mm -hmm. if our employment rate six months after graduation is 50%, right? How am I supposed to explain that? Yeah. Right? Fortunately for us, right, because of those experiences, the answer was that we were at 91%, right, down from 95% the previous year. I'm, I'm good with that. But, but at that point in which you read the article, right. you, you, you kind of have a sense about what the marketplace is like and whether they value what you're providing. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, there's this little doubt in the back of your mind that says, <laughs> oh my gosh, right? The we, we live in a world, we don't live in a vacuum. Right, yeah. And if the world is saying that there's, they, that they're, 
they have choices between people that don't have experience and choices between people that do, and they're gonna hire the people that do, we've gotta give them those experiences up front. Yeah. And the real question is whether we were doing that or not. Um, boy, that was a, that's, you know, you can start to see the marketplace picking up, right? So you, yeah. you expect those numbers to go up, but, but, but last year's graduating class, you're thinking, man, that, that market is really, is very, really, very difficult for them. So I think the retention part, Sean, is really important. But not only retention part for the university, but retention part for the for the for the region. Yeah. Right. 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 So you know you hear this you, kind of this the headline right is brain drain. Mm -hmm. Right. You graduate people and they leave. Yeah. Whether they leave Southwest <laughs> Indiana, whether they leave Indiana, um, and they go someplace else. They go to they go to Chicago or they go to Nashville or they go to who knows, Washington, yeah. D.C., or, or, or any place else like that. So part of the EREP model, part of the Talent 2025 model here, is how do we keep people here, right? What's the quality of life that keeps people as part of the region? Yeah. And our numbers are getting way better. So the university becoming a net importer of talent, which means that more people stay here than started here. Yes. Right? So four years later after they graduate, if... 50% of your class was from Indiana, right? And you have 60% stay in Indiana, right? That That's an importer of talent. The same thing happens in Southwest Indiana, and particularly yeah. in healthcare, mm -hmm. right? which is a big deal. It's a big deal for Southwest Indiana is maintaining quality of life, and a big part of that is increasing healthcare that exists here. So if we can attract students from other places and keep them here, right? right that's a benefit for the university and a big benefit for the region. Yeah. So how do you reach out to the community to help with that? Because obviously it seems like a double-edged sword because you guys want to draw from all over mm -hmm. as far away as you can and increase that bubble. And you know a lot of them want to go back home eventually or if at all. So how do you partner? What's that experience like for someone who says, hey, we need, the, we need nurses, you know, like a hospitals around here. And they're like, we want to keep these nurses, but we want to. And you're like, but I want to draw from Kentucky and I want Ohio and all these places. So I want to draw from Kentucky and Ohio <laughs> and California and Texas yeah. and Denver, but then I want them to stay <laughs> right after yeah. the, after they're done. So, you know, what better way for a business to be able to try to attract and keep talent than to hire them as interns while they're mm -hmm. here? So that's part of the partnership, sure. right? So we go knocking on your door and say, hey, can you offer five five internships for our students? much better likelihood that you're going to make them a job offer and they're going to stay yep. than if they went to school someplace else, get get a job offer in Evansville, and then have to make a decision about lifestyle and whether they want to be here or not. If they've been here for four years or part of our graduate programs for seven or eight years, yeah. right? a lot easier sell to say, I, w I want to be in Evansville because I've established relationships here and I got to do some educational experiences that allowed me to then say, I want to stay here and be here for the future. Yeah, so. and we always have, we have a little bit of the reverse because if they, if they're from here and we hired them as an intern, they went to school here, we always say, if you want, go away, be a boomerang and come back because more likely when you come back, you're going to be happier and stay here longer than always think, what if, what if I would have went away? What if I would have went somewhere else? Well, you know, I think that's one of the things, right, that if, you, if, you, if you're from Evansville, you go to the University of Evansville, right? You, you do have that sense of, do I want to try something else? Mm -hmm. When we recruit people from other places, they've already had that experience, right? right? They know what that experience was like. 
now they know what the Evansville experience is like, and they have they have a comparator to be able to say that this is a place I want to I want to grow up. I want to buy a house. This is where I want my first job. This is where I want to raise a family, right? And we all know, right, that you know raising a family here is has been is 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 excellent, right? You have yes. one hundred and twenty thousand people, and you know they get to play they get to play good baseball for good baseball coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings me to a question that actually has been going around in my head because I went back and started listening to all of our our old podcast to just kind of get me connected back to all the conversations we had. And one of the conversations was was with an individual and individuals very connected in the community, lots of community give back, a lot of philanthropy, a lot of things and um, and always reaches out to those transplants first, like welcome, like we want you to be a part of this community. How do we get you engaged? All those things, right? So Mike and I have been, you know, I would say the, the 40-somethings have always been, like the progressives that we've been fighting to, Evansville can be so much more. Evansville can be so much more. Evansville can be so much more, right? And we keep looking down, looking down as either creatives or, you know, connectors or pioneers going, we need to get here. We need to scale this mountain. Like, we need to go faster. We need to go faster. And what the feedback, and this is amazing feedback that I've heard recently as I start asking the question is, is that we 40-somethings that keep driving for this perfection of Evansville and where, it, where we think it needs to go, when, they, when those boomerangs come back or we get the transplant from Chicago or we get the one from Nashville or from Austin, Texas, and they come here, they're like, what are you trying to perfect? So there's this question in my mind of, and some self-reflection as I've, you know, been going through visioning sessions and all those things is, is what we have from an outside perspective, is it different than like you're, you've come from, like you said, Pennsylvania, Louisiana, Florida to now here, is the product we have and awesome product that we just need to once again reinforce a little bit instead of trying to attract because what I continuously hear from the transplants now is this place is amazing you don't know what you have why what are you trying to perfect here just just once again look at what we have look at the retention lean into some of those people a little more and it's only going to become a much better product because we're always fighting for the next great thing right we we, why aren't we indie or what well we're not indie we're not nashville we're evansville and people that come here from those places love it so how much are is that middle starting to be some of that negative in your it's not negative it's we want it to go to a great place but are we creating a barrier that that in our communication when we talk about how great it could be instead of how great it is well i always think there's that disconnect right and you you have to you have to demonstrate what you know what is good about what you already have yeah right because if you're just talking about we need to become way better now the, the perception is that we are we, we are better than we think we are right in Evansville already so the question is how do we attract the, the 20 somethings right the 40 somethings or, or the 50 somethings right feel feel very comfortable here and you know coming here as university president three years ago um, welcomed with open arms Right. You, you feel very comfortable both professionally and personally with your family. Right. 
you know, what what are some of the things that we need to do to be able to continue to attract the twenty somethings? Right. And and I think we're 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 on the right track. It is about connecting trail systems. It's about the ability for more housing for people that want to live in an urban environment two blocks away from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And and you can see some of those things happening. We talked a little bit earlier about the Walnut Street streetscape. Yes. Right. It's gonna it's gonna connect the trail system, right? That you, whether you access it through the state hospital system over on Van Avenue or otherwise, how do you active how do you continue to activate the river? Right. Right. All that of those is big that, yes. those are those are the, the two things that you hear from twenty somethings all the time, right? Is how do you make quality of life a little bit better? Uh, what what I've seen over the last three years is something that's unique about Evansville in having lived in St. Petersburg and Tampa and Baton Rouge and Washington, D.C. Everybody has their own little part that mm -hmm. they get to do, and they say, this is my part, right? And and yeah. don't and don't mess with my part. Don't mess with don't mine. Don't mess yes. with my stuff. <laughs> I'm, leave, I'm my stuff leave my stuff alone. I think I, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That is diff that's different here, yeah. right? If you think about how EREP was created, right? EREP was created with three legacy organizations that all that had their own mission. Yes, right, absolutely. And, and so you have people working together to do the same thing and not saying, "Don't touch my stuff." Yeah, right. What they're saying is, we can work together to make this better, and that doesn't exist in lots of other places. We were just talking about, right? Do people want to leave? because they don't know what's out there, mm -hmm. right? For somebody who's been out there, it is a very different experience to be here and to see so many business leaders and the city government all working together for the same goals. Yeah. Because right, the ability to be able to create one organization from legacy organizations that each had their own part about some version of economic development right. in Evansville to put it all together under one umbrella to say that we want to work together not only as Evansville, but an Evansville region, region. as yeah. the region, right, is a is a big step forward. I was at lunch with the mayors yesterday. It was great to see mayors from five different communities that, you know, what they were what they were bragging about for their communities was really impressive to see. What was more important is to hear five mayors say that they talk to each other. Yeah. yeah. They have a conversation with each other. So that Right, their problems may be different in scope and scale, but you get better solutions if you work together to be able to do that. And I see that in Evansville that I didn't see in other places like that. Yeah, and I think don't be afraid. What I what I sense from a lot of leadership around here is don't be afraid to say, "Hey, they're doing it pretty good over here. Maybe there's something we can learn." And there, whereas some communities are like, "Nope, don't care. That's not us. We're, that's them." Right. Yeah, and you know, so last year, what uh, they went to Grand Rapids, Grand I believe, mm -hmm. um, and then they were in um, Greenville, South Carolina, before that. Right. Some places that have been able to activate a river, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we are still unique mm -hmm. here, but you can borrow some ideas from other places, and I think the idea that you you're willing to be open to those kinds of conversations is a really big plus for the region. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I, I've always said you're, it's this big flywheel and we're kind of the, we are right in the middle of it. We're, we're the hub, if you will. And, you know, we have been for so long going out and taking our big conferences and our things to these other, why are we not meeting in the middle here? 
and, and sharing that even as we, as you said, five mayors around the table is very, very unique, but you know, like when we get there and, and Cincinnati and, you know, Cincinnati and St. Louis are talking through Evansville and, and meeting here to share their shared communication and gets bigger and bigger, but we got to start somewhere and we are doing a really, really good job of that. And, just walking around downtown for the last 10 years, being you know in a building where I started, the building is being torn down now. There's holes in the walls, windows <laughs> are busted out, and it will come down. The implosion is coming. It is mm-hmm. coming. It is going to, be, going to be here, and then being at Walker, and then walking down the street, even when you talk about that education experience, the Stone Family Medical Center, and the importance of what that discussion, being a part of that, of what do the 20-somethings want when it needs to be here versus it needs to be out there versus it needs to be over there and learning so much through that experience of, yeah, that shared experience of volunteerism, that shared experience of being able to walk and get a cup of coffee and then grab some groceries and and then be able to meet my, my friends in a community space and have that conversation, you know, kick a you know soccer ball around, throw it, whatever it is, but then be able to go and learn from the best of the best. And that transformation over the last 10 years and what's happening here with the connectivity, as you said, with the trails, it's all happening for guys like me. I want it to go faster, but there's just some, I mean, it takes time. But it's also driven, it's driven, you know, from a design perspective of physical spaces and spaces on campuses. And that's what I like seeing as camp, you know, when I was in college, our dorm was blocked it was like here's some cheap bunk beds you get what you get and if you want anything better you're paying for it and and it was all about like you said the learning experience there were some amenities on campus um, but really it was just about the learning you go there learn then you go off campus you eventually live off campus now it's more like when I go to campuses now it's like wow if I would have if I had this back then I would love to be on campus all the time Love, but there, it's creating those spaces, like you said. We're going to get coffee, but now we're. But it's all done on campus now. Yeah, you want to try to keep people. You want to try to keep people close. Yeah. You know, even if you're from Evansville, for example, you know, you went, you went to Sig School across the street, or you walk down Lincoln Avenue from Memorial High School, you can get that full college experience, right, without having to go someplace else to be yeah. able to do right. that, because because you do create kind of this self-contained unit within kind of the physical spaces of your campus. So whether it's new residence halls, right, that are built in pod systems, Mm -hmm. or whether it's building a new wellness and recreation center, right, that allows them kind of the kind of the body aspect of mind, body and spirit, or renovating the classroom spaces so that it's more I mean, Sean, we walked around your offices here, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's set up as collaborative space. Yes. Right. You, you walk into college campuses, you don't see the very traditional lecture halls where 100 people are in classes. Right. What you want are be able to create pod systems mm-hmm. so that students and faculty members are learning together and building programs like the Change Lab that we talked about before, yeah. right? How do you be able to do those things together? Um, and you were, you were talking about kind of downtown uh, in the area down here. You know, there's very few cities that are kind of of this size Right, so 100,000, 120,000 people, MSA of 300,000 people that have something like the Ford Center and the old National Events Plaza yes. right, that exists. 
right? I, I grew up in a town that's exactly the size of this. Mm -hmm. And most other places like that, you go to Indianapolis or you go to Nashville mm -hmm. to be able to have access to a 10,000-seat 10, 10, arena and an old National Events Plaza and the Victory Theater, right? Those don't tend to exist in places like this. We have a lot to be able to build on here. Yeah. And there's a lot of connectivity that is able to do that in the downtown area. And the Stone Family Center for Health Sciences, I think, was, was a wonderful addition because it demonstrates that you can have three universities, four hospitals in the city, Collaborate. Yeah. all work together. Right? What, what do, what do, if somebody's thinking about relocating here, right? If, Toy if Toyota's bringing mm -hmm. another 1,500 jobs here, yeah. what do they want to see in the city? The answer is collaboration. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And the Stone Family Center for Health Sciences is doing extraordinary things about educating people. But it's demonstrating something much more broadly about our city. Yeah. And that is that we can work together and collaborate and make it work for something that's better for all of yeah. us. Because you brought up collaborative space. But it's creating that collaborative space that also creates those in incidental connections, right? Where you're walking down the street or you're walking between something as opposed to just being in your car and flying down the highway and going here. But you're creating that space as you go to the spaces that you're going to meet somebody. You see somebody else, right? Yeah, they're, they're popping up. Chance to connect. So 49 minutes and we haven't even covered We've covered every question probably that we normally uh, cover uh, in respect to your time as well as the listeners' time. Try to keep it right at an hour, right? Um, so to set a baseline, to go back to all these things, I have to ask the question. Like we've said the word experience a thousand times on this, uh, and that's me being a creative pioneer and just going, hey, this is a guesstimate and overestimating a thousand times. What does the word experience mean to you? It, it means that what, what has happened in the past helps you get ready for what happens in the future. Okay. So uh, that is that the collection of things that have happened prepares you for what happens next. But, I, but I, there's one caution that I have, and that is if you simply say experience as what is, what is required for what's next, You've got to be careful that you don't stifle innovation because of it. Okay. So, so, all right. All, all in, right. All in, all in my, my 30 second <laughs> elevator pitch, John. I like it. I like it. So, Mike, you're, you always have a great question, and, and this gets, I mean, we've had a lot of great community conversations on all those things. This is going to design, you know, what's, what's the one that you always ask? Oh, well, uh, there's a couple, but. Yeah. I think the one with you, as you've traveled, now we have all this connection. What's one space or where do you go that makes you emotional or, or, or just your favorite place? You're like, hey, if I go here, it's just an experience for me. So if we're talking about physical space, um, I think the most emotional part is the Ford Center for commencement, right? Because mm -hmm. if they're there, we have done a big part of what we have done to succeed. Um, I think the other part too is, you know, students do extraordinary, students do really extraordinary things. Uh, and particularly during the pandemic. Mm. So, so for example, you know, the students came and said with a faculty member and said, we want to be able to create a clinic, a vaccine clinic for the Hispanic community because there's language barriers and there's a hesitation 
in yeah. the Hispanic community about becoming vaccinated. So can we partner with the church to be able to help increase the vaccination rate of a population that was that that may have been resistant simply because of of lack of information. Right. Right. And so 200 people get vaccinated because students came up with an idea that they can they can make mm -hmm. a difference in the community. Yeah. Right. The students partnered with they found out, right? Vanderburg County um, has an infant mortality rate that's way too high. Yeah. Right. So you partner mm -hmm. with the public health department about creating messaging for new mothers. Mm -hmm. Right. Talk about the the things that happen in the classroom, right? Yeah. But the emotional part is how you can make the community better and different. And you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you graduate. You don't have to wait until you buy your first house or get married. You can do it while you're here. And you can be a young person to do it. That's the emotional part is seeing what an impact that a group of 2,000 or 2,500 people can collectively have on making a community better. That to me is the emotional part, and then the, and then of course it ends with, well maybe it begins with right because right. right it Excellent. begins with commencement yeah right if you think about the if you think about the word commencement the, yeah right commencement doesn't mean the end right it, it means it means the end of your experience with us but it's the beginning of another experience, and I think seeing everybody in their academic regalia, um, students are so excited about their what's going to happen next for them. What's next? Yeah. So I think putting on the regalia a couple times a year is really exciting. Energizing. Yeah. I can't imagine being able to stand up there and look and just that shared experience over that, that um, number one, the physical space, but then being able to see every, you know, and the connections that you've, you've had with those individuals who are walking through that line and, and that, that brand that, that's been built. Well, and you brought up, yeah, community connection. And I, I always thought that was one of the things with UE that was unique is that you cross the street, you're in the community, like you're in the fabric of Evansville. A lot of it historic, but a lot of homes and a lot of you know businesses. And it was just one of the unique experiences, I think, and maybe and, and how it can impact and how you can have that relationship with the community. Well, you know, we moved uh, we moved to Evansville. The university moved to Evansville 102 years ago. So it started in yeah. 1854 in Moores Hill, Indiana, so fairly close to Cincinnati. And in 1919, uh, George Clifford uh, said, I want to bring the University of Evansville here after our building burned down in Moores Hill. Okay. And the university said, if you raise $500,000, we'll come. <laughs> right? So this is 1919. Wow. Right? Uh, yeah. Just think about $500,000. <laughs> wow. You know, I've got a, I've got a, I haven't looked this up. I need to look this up. Man, but if you, if you take, be? if you take inflation, right, what if that, what would that have number have been? Right. Right. So they had a big thermometer on a bank building downtown tracking progress, right? In less than two weeks, they raised $500,000. Wow. Right. It's so, so in his, in the first kind of speech, the president at that time says, if anything else, the university ought to benefit its community. Yeah. And I think as my role as president, um, I think we should take that very seriously. The city brought us here. We are a university of Evansville, not a, not the University of Evansville. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of that is how can we make our communities better? And we do that through some of the change life projects we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. So what brand, product, individual has the most authentic ex user experience? Who, who's doing it right? What brand out there? You can, it can be an individual. It can be a brand. Um, community organization, who's doing it right? I'd, um, 
say I'd say Tesla as a starting point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Tesla has always been on the verge of what's next, uh, and they've been able to communicate what's next. Yeah. So uh, you know, are we going to get to electric cars and electric vehicles for everybody? But there's got to be somebody to start it, and I yeah. think their message was, we're we're just a little bit different. Yeah. And even John connects with it. He's well, he is very very passionate about those Teslas. Well, that's that's true. That's my 12 year old son John, yeah. right? Mm. Uh, who who I think um, would would like to build the next version of Tesla, and he's, ar he's already he's already <laughs> he's planning already he's already planning it. on how to do it. Yeah. I uh, think he can, and he will. I think I can connect you with the, <laughs> I believe, it, I think he was a UE grad that works for Tesla out in, could be in Texas. Oh, is that right? That's yeah, he does uh, systems controls yeah. or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that they've got, a, I think their message has been, I think their message has been very good and their message has been very consistent. Uh, I think probably the other one, uh, Nike, just do it, right? Yes. If you talk about mm -hmm. one of those that has, that has, you know, Tesla is a little bit newer in the marketplace, but one that has stood the test of time. Yeah. Right. Is that's what sports is all about, right? Yeah. Right. Stop talking about it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Yeah. So, what's uh, one thing in the next uh, twelve months that uh, you're looking forward to? What What experience? What's the What's uh, What's on the radar for you? Bucket list. So as a, as a university, we've got a couple of new programs that we're starting that I think are really exciting. You know, we, we talked a lot about community, and one of the right. big issues in the community is mental health, right? You know, and yeah. it continue, the, the pandemic continues to demonstrate um, how upfront that should be for all of us as both a community as, an, as employers. Um, great partnership that we've started with Easter Seals to be able to provide some additional mental health counseling, not only for our University of Evansville campus, but for the entire community. So you'll be seeing a clinic that is started by the University of Evansville, uh, very likely by the end of the year. Okay. That will allow wait times to go down from where they are right now. And you know, when you have a mental health crisis, uh, you, you can't wait six months. Right. right. And and that's something that as a community we have to be able to tackle. And as a community, we have been working with the mayor's uh, task force on mental health as well as Easter Seals and others. So, you know, it's, it's that little part that helps benefit the community. We can't solve the problem, but we can make it better. Yeah. Wonderful. So um, as we wrap up here at 530 on Main, VPS Architecture, Extend Group, how do the listeners connect with you? Well, uh, there's, a, there's lots of different ways. Uh, World-class theater is number one, right? If you want to go see people like Rami Malek on stage, right. uh, you, don't have to go, you don't have to go to Broadway. Right, you just just drive down Lincoln Avenue. You can see a bunch of people. There's a couple more productions that will happen this year. Uh, Wheeler Concert Hall, a three million dollar renovation is happening that will be done next year. Come and see some world class music performances. Uh, across the street, uh, the Ford Center uh, basketball team starts in less than a month or so. Right. Uh, but the other part, uh, you know, those are kind of the the outward physical manifestations about how the university interacts with the community. But it's through the Change Lab projects. Right. Yeah. So if you are if you are part of a nonprofit organization and you think the university can help, we want to be a we want to be a university of the community. Reach out, let us know. My uh, my email address is all across the website. You can find us easily, and uh, <laughs> we'll connect you to the right people. Wonderful. What's the website address again? www.evansville.edu. Boom. There we go. Okay. That's how. Well, Sean, you you also for where's your deck of cards? You oh, kind of forgot. You want to do the deck of cards? I don't hey, know we, the started, deck of cards we started. We started doing it. So, so there's this 
once again, I found this on social media, a follower of, of podcast and everything. So there's this wonderful concept that this uh, podcaster came up with. It's called Pod Decks. So you have interview questions, and then you have series questions, or you have a recording session. So this is one, one deck of cards that has random questions in it that you can pick any one of those and and if you want to answer you can read it out loud you can answer it or you can say I choose a different card so the question is um, what's left on your bucket list well we talked a little bit about that what's the big one yeah what's yeah one more thing well you know I think as a, as a university um, it is it is 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 making a difference for students to graduate with us yeah. right it is it, and it's being able to connect that with ideas right it's how you take innovation and make higher education better than it has been in the future yeah. and so you know we talk about pace of change pace of change is slow and sometimes that's frustrating mm -hmm. yeah um, I think it's being able to create a world-class experience for students and they can do it right here in Evansville they don't need to go anyplace else to do it love it Mike as always it's been a pleasure awesome uh, yeah. being able to do this with with have this experience this shared experience uh, we have a new cup by the way as you see right here uh, we have 20 plus signatures on the other one there wasn't another space for it so everybody that comes in <laughs> well you had to fit 15 letters of Petroskevich on it that was another I need a whole new cup for this <laughs> right I mean how are you going to put 33 Scrabble points on, on, a, on a cup that, that has 19 right. signatures on it that's right <laughs> And every, it's always interesting, you know, coaches come over and, uh, you know, hey, how do you say this name, like, when we're in when we're in baseball games or whatever it is. So, yeah, we, we had to get a new one out here. And we just say that we're, you know, the our cup always overflows because of all the knowledge all of our community shares with us. So, uh, if you would share that, you have your own at 530 on Main Tumblr to take with you. And as you're doing that, uh, we want to thank the listeners again for tuning in to the At 530 on Main podcast brought to you by Extend Group, VPS Architecture. We're on both sites, vpsarc.com and extendgroup.com. Both of them have At 530 on Main on it. Uh, please go out, like, share. We are actually getting some community feedback coming in, going, hey, this person needs to be on the podcast. We really think yes. this one would be interesting. <laughs> Um, so more and more of that, uh, yeah. that shared community experience is happening. This is not a vacuum, and we are actually uh, getting some great feedback, and, and thank you for that. So and it's, and it's good after the pause with the pandemic. Yes. We had to take a pause. I it know. was a, man, it was a seven-month-plus pause. Yeah. And, uh, we did slam on the gas pedal. And we've put, uh, I think, nearly 12 more uh, interview. you know, t what, 12 more podcasts here, and they'll all be wrapped up by the end of this year. We'll call it Series 1, and then we'll break into a new Series 2 after December. So uh, this one will more than likely air in November, and uh, I, I, I'm just going to say that this conversation, and whether it be in November or it be in March or December of 2022 was relevant and an awesome experience for me. So thank you, Chris Petruskevich, president of the University of Evansville. Um, thank you for, for being here.
Great to be here, Sean. Thanks. Being intentional thank, thank you, Mike. with the conversation. Listeners, thank you once again at 530 on Main at the Extension Studio here in Evansville, Indiana. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.